Good to see everyone here this morning. Hallelujah. Today was the fourth uh, class of our growth track class. And so uh, we had some members come through, but we do have two brand new members of our church today sitting with us. And uh, can we give them a hand today? I'm so thankful for that. Usually we'd have you come up and sing. No, we're not going to make you do that. We don't do that. We don't do that. And, uh, but amen. So great, great that the uh, church is growing and that um, people are just finding family here. And we just are so humbled by that. And uh, how many know we're part of a much bigger family? We're, we're part of, a, I mean, this thing's huge. This is a global family. It's a global enterprise. And God is growing and, and doing um, so many good things. And so we're excited about that. And uh, I've heard a couple good reports this week and good news, uh, people getting healed and God touching people, moving in their family. And, and uh, I just am so excited about that. But how many know, I got some good news for you, that God's mercy was brand new today for you. Amen. How many know that's good news? That's good news right there. Aren't you glad that, amen, that you're saved? I'm sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I've been water baptized. I've been made new in Jesus Christ. That's good news. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become brand spanking new. Amen. In Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. That's, there's great joy and good news. There's great joy and good news. And this morning, my, my hope and my prayer is that your joy in Jesus becomes full. Amen. Not just, not just a little bit, you know, kind of tickled, but full in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful for the cross. I'm going to thank the Lord every day. I mean, I'm thankful for the blood, thankful for the cross. Lord, thank you for an empty grave today. Thank you that you are alive and you are real. And Lord, you're hearing my prayer and Lord, receiving my worship because you're alive, you're real. And guess what? He's coming back. <laughs> I said he's coming back. Amen. How many are getting ready? I'm getting ready. Amen. And this is what it's all about, amen? And so, uh, you know, I'm just so excited about um, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's great joy in good news. And I want to encourage you, there's so much negative news today, right? I want to encourage you, try to find a piece of good news and share it with somebody this week. Just try to find something good, amen, and just say, you know what, this is good news, Amen. You know, when your team wins, that's good news. When, you know, your, your stock goes up, that's good news. When you, you sell your house on time for more than what you were selling it for, that's good news. Amen. And there's good news and great joy in the good news of Jesus Christ today. Amen. And so this morning we want to celebrate that and we're just excited about the Lord and being saved and, and just so many good things that God's word teaches us that we can be thankful for. And uh, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about encounters with the Lord or God encounters. And I don't know if there's anyone here that's born again today that can't say, honestly, you can't say that I had an encounter with Jesus through the gospel. I mean, there are such amazing things that happen when we encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many believe that there's life in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. And this morning, I just want to share with you and encourage you about a gospel encounter, a gospel encounter. Jesus reaches out to the untouchable. Jesus reaches the unlovely. Jesus reaches out to the unwanted, to the uninvited, to the undeserved. Can you say amen? And we need a gospel encounter in this city. People in this city, amen, that don't know the Lord, they need a gospel encounter. Come on, somebody, man. 
Because the gospel says that Jesus died for you, rose again, come on, was buried, rose again, that you might have life and life more abundantly, amen, in Jesus Christ. That is such good news, amen, and that is the gospel. And so this morning, I just want to share with you how Jesus reaches out to the untouchables, amen. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning, and I just thank you for the fire, really, that's in your word, that... When we read your word, there's just embers that begin to be blown upon and this like coals of fire begin to burn in our hearts and your word just is such a fire at at times, Lord, in our lives. It it really kind of is this glow in our lives and this burning um, passion for Jesus and for for the things of God, but also, Lord, your word burns away some things. Like a fire would burn away the dross when it comes to silver and gold, it Comes, it brings the dirt to the surface and then it burns it away. Lord, your word does that sometimes. And so today I'm just asking that your word does what it does best and that is change us on the inside. We just give you all the praise and glory and everybody said, amen. amen. I believe with all my heart that the love of God reaches out and touches and changes the untouchable. It reaches out to the untouchable and I believe we should too. Hello. Because why? The church is for sick people to get healed so that healed people can bring in more sick people. Amen? And so we, we know that we've come in to the things of the Lord um, unlovely, untouchable. Sin made you unlovely and untouchable. But aren't you glad that Jesus reached down and touched what was untouchable? Amen. What was unreachable, he reached out to. Where you couldn't go, he went there. Come on. Where other people didn't want you, Jesus wanted you. Where you were undeserved, now Jesus said, you deserve. Amen. Amen. And I'm so thankful for that, that all of us, all of us at one time in our life, maybe even right now, are unlovely and are untouchable because of sin. See, the stain and the disease of sin was not just on you, it was in you. But the blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse the inside of you. That stain of sin that resides on the inside, that lives on the inside, the blood of Jesus cleanses, not just on the outside, that's great, amen, but on the inside, the blood of Jesus really cleanses us from the contamination of sin in our lives. And Jesus touches us and he heals us. And I'm just, I'm really just thankful for that this morning. I'm just real stoked about that and passionate about that this morning that I'm so thankful for how the Lord reaches out to those who are untouchable. He goes in neighborhoods where they said, you're not allowed to go. He goes, talks to people that said, you're not allowed to talk to. He went in areas where everybody else was avoiding that area. Come on. He, he, he does that, doesn't he? He goes in areas of our lives where everybody else is like, don't go there. But Jesus goes there in his love and his power and his mercy and he heals us and he changes us. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Let's talk about this today in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, I'm just going to give you verses, but let me give you a little background about this powerful story about how Jesus reaches out to the untouchable. Jesus, uh, or Paul, or sorry, Peter, one of them, right? They're all good. Peter, actually, in Acts chapter 10, uh, there's a story about him and his missionary journeys, but this is a cool story. It actually opens up in Acts chapter 10. It talks about this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion in the Roman army. He was an army official, and he was kind of an officer um, uh, and a commander of the Italian 
regiment, when it says he was of the Italian band that wasn't a music group, that was actually uh, a regiment in the military that he was in charge of, of the Italian uh, regiment there um, in, in uh, Caesarea, the Bible says. And that's where Paul, or Peter was preaching at the time. Now, um, despite being a Roman, he was also a Gentile, but despite being a Roman, Cornelius was a worshiper of God. Did you know that? Do you know the Bible says this Roman soldier uh, prayed and gave alms to the poor? He gave charity, and he was very respected among the Jewish community. He was highly regarded among the Jews because he, he loved the God of the Jews. He, he believed and, and, and kind of gave and, and prayed to the God of the Jews. And so he was very respected among the Jews. And so he was one of these guys that had just a real uh, great guy, we would call him. He would, he would just gave the charity. And, and, uh, but it was so important about this story. Acts chapter 10, we see that, that uh, the writer of Acts uh, really focuses on him and his life first before this other encounter with the gospel because really it's about his story was it was in his house that God opened the door of the church to the Gentile world and God used this Gentile God used this account right here to begin to open the minds of the Jewish people and a revolution of the gospel of Jesus Christ happened in this guy's house it was amazing what God was doing at the time and so we kind of you know, kind of get in on this story, what was happening. And so he was, um, you know, the Bible says that while he was praying, uh, he saw an angel and a vision. He had a vision of an angel. He told him, he said, you need to go get a guy named Peter. You need to go get him immediately. And so he immediately said, hey, told his servants, we got to go get this guy, uh, Peter. The Lord showed me where he's living. And so you need to go to this house. And it was several miles away. Isn't that neat how the Lord does that? And so, but at the, at the same time, we're at the, the next day, but meanwhile, here's Peter. He's uh, on this missionary journey. He stops in Joppa to visit with some friends. And the Bible says that he was, he was hungry and they were getting ready to prepare food. And so how many of you have done that? You're like starving right before your mom would make that, you know what I mean? And he was starving, the Bible says. And he went up and he was hungry. And so he said, I got to get away from the smell in the kitchen. I, I got to go up to the rooftop. And so the Bible says he went up to the rooftop to pray and all of a sudden he went he entered into a a really uh, a powerful vision the bible says in the king james it was a trance it was a extraordinary vision and the lord began to show him and brought down from heaven this like big sheet right it says this this big sheet almost like it came down and was filled with every kind of animal you could think of it it, it named you know whether it was crickets or whatever it was it was everything and, and the Lord spoke to me in this incredible counter. And let's pick it up in verse 11. It says this in verse 11 of chapter 10. And Peter saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet there were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then the voice said, the Lord spoke and said, get up Peter, kill and eat them. Right? And then he said in verse 14, he said, no Lord, I can't do that. He said, because... I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But verse 15, the Lord said, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Wow. 
Or it says, he said, Lord, I haven't, I haven't eaten anything that is common or unholy or ceremonially unclean. I've kept those things, according to Leviticus, all the way down thousands of years. I, I haven't done that. I didn't do those things. I'm not going to do that, Lord. I'm not going to violate your principles, your word, and I haven't eaten those things. And, but then Jesus, or the Lord told him, he said, don't consider anything unclean that God has already declared clean. Don't call it common or unclean. And he had this vision three times. Three separate times he had this vision. It came again and again. And right about that time, three men showed up at the door from Cornelius' house. Three Gentiles show up at the door after the third vision had this. So as we read the scripture and the story goes on there, you'll have to read it for yourself. And so they went with, or they spent the night there and said, hey, you know, our, our, uh, uh, you know, our leader, uh, Cornelius, he's asked for you. God showed him a vision. You've you got to come to this guy. I don't, he's a Gentile, he's a Roman soldier, but he prays and he gives his alms. But he, you know, God told him, you've got to come to this house. And so he said, all right, I'll go. So they go the next day and he has this tremendous interaction with Cornelius. And then in verse 28, one of the things that uh, we read here is Peter told Cornelius, he said, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter into a Gentile's home like this or to associate with you. Well, I'm not even allowed to talk to you and be seen with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Wow. And then, and then verse, uh, and then as you read, he begins to talk to him about Jesus. He begins to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to him. He begins to talk about how Jesus came, Amen, as promised Messiah, and died on the cross and rose again, and and has shed his blood for his sins, and he he gets saved. And not only that, here's here's the cool part: his whole family gets saved. All right, let's go a little bit further. Not just saved, then he gets all baptized. They all get baptized. And then here's what's cool. They all get filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, their whole house gets filled with the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 34, this is what Peter said. Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Verse 35, in every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. He, what a revelation. What a revelation. Now, I want to just go into this story a little bit, and I just want to make some things very clear here. First of all, it was against Jewish law for Peter to be associating with Gentiles. That was against the Jewish law. However, God really had shown him in a vision not to call any person common or unclean. Isn't that amazing? So Peter understood this because the animals that he saw were unclean, and then God said, you can eat them now. Aren't you glad for that? Thank God they had pulled pork the next day. Amen. Barbecue sandwich sliders. And so he said, it's okay now. But listen, Peter understood what God was showing him. That this vision was a symbol or symbolic of the Gentiles. And people. They represented people. And so as in his quest to preach the gospel, he wasn't just going to Jews. He's now, the Lord was saying that you need to go to everybody. Everybody now is a candidate for mercy. Everybody now is a candidate for salvation. For God so loved the world. The world is open now for the gospel. Not just to the Jewish people, but those who you said were unclean. Those who you said were unlovely. Those who you said were uninvited and un undeserved. Come on. Who did not deserve God. The Lord says now they need to hear me. Amen. 
the untouchable now became reachable. <laughs> Amen. And that's what he's saying. And so he, this is an amazing revolution that's happening at that time. And, and so God was preparing to give him the gospel message for the Gentiles. And so God, but let me just make something clear here. When it says that the Lord spoke and he's talking about people, the Gentiles, and he said, uh, whatever God has cleansed, don't call common and unclean. Now this is what the Lord was not saying. God was not saying that they're already saved. Amen? Everybody see that? He wasn't saying that they're already saved. That's not what he was saying. He was declaring that the laws that made food and people untouchable were now canceled through the cross. Right? And, And the people that were unwanted were now candidates for healing and salvation. The invitation list went from here to here. Amen? The guest list went from here to here. Amen? And that's what he's showing him. And that's what he's saying to him. That don't you call people unlovely. Don't you call people untouchable. Don't you call people unwanted and uninvited and undeserved. Because now the mercy of God is open to whosoever will come. Hello. Whoever will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the gospel broke down every wall for everyone to receive salvation in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. That's how clear it is. How many believe that with all your heart? I believe that. Amen. You see, in the Jewish customs and Jewish religion at that time, there were things that were forbidden. They were just untouchable. They were called unclean. You couldn't touch those things. You couldn't go there. You couldn't talk to that person. They were unclean. And so uh, there was, uh, you couldn't, in the Old Testament, you couldn't touch a dead animal. It was unclean. You couldn't do that. There were certain things you had to wash your hands before you eat uh, that was unclean. There were certain purification ceremonies that you had to do because you were considered unclean. But then it went to people and other nations and other people and said, you can't associate with them because it's unclean. It's, you, you can't let your you know, children marry people people from that nation because it's unacceptable to God, right? But how many know through the cross of Jesus Christ, amen, all those things were done away with, all those laws of untouchable and unclean were made perfect through Jesus Christ, amen. Aren't you glad for that? And those things were a symbol. They served well in their time. They were just a a, a way to show people who God is and what God wanted and worship, right? But now those things have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ and through his cross. And so that's what he's saying here is that don't call people that you would consider before unclean and untouchable. Now that you can reach them. Now you can approach them. Now you can touch them. Now you can love them. Amen, just with, with just, a, just kind of an abandoned passion, amen, an unabandoned passion, you can just love them and preach the gospel to them, I love that. One of the things we see in Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter seven, there was a, a, a dinner that was given and, and Jesus was invited to a Pharisee's home. And we know the story and you've heard the story, hopefully you've heard the story. Um, Jesus was invited to this Pharisee's home and at the time we know he wasn't really a believer, he just wanted to, Jesus to come into his home. And uh, we know that through, through the story and the account that as they were having dinner, this woman comes in. The Bible says she was of the city. She was, a, she was a big sinner. That's what the Bible says. She was a sinner. Now, many people argue over who she was and what exactly she was guilty of. But the, let's stay on point here with the story. It just says she was a sinner. And so because she was a sinner and she was a woman, whatever she did, she was untouchable. And she was an uninvited guest. <laughs> 
She was not invited to this dinner at all. Like, we don't have your kind at this dinner at all. Like, you're totally uninvited. Don't even think about coming here. Right? The only people need to be here are the people that are clean and holy and they're, all, they, they're rich and, and they're, they're, they're of the Pharisees. That's the only people that need to be here right now, right? And if you really want to think about the story, Jesus was even out of place in that dinner. And what did he do? Because Jesus was out of the place and he was just checking it out. He didn't greet him like he was supposed to. He didn't offer him to wash his feet like he was supposed to, like they would normally any other guest. He just treated Jesus like this guy. But here's this woman that comes in. She goes beyond what he was supposed to do. She starts crying. She starts anointing his feet with oil, wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, right? She starts crying and tears are falling on his, on his feet. She just starts worshiping Jesus in repentance. Think about it. She was the uninvited guest. She was the unwanted. She was the untouchable. And in fact, when Jesus began to minister to her, the Pharisees said in their mind, if this guy was a prophet, he would know who who she is and he wouldn't allow her to touch her. She's untouchable. Why? How in the world? Who are you? You think you can touch Jesus. Who are you? You're so dirty. You're so unclean. You're so unwanted here. Why are you even here? You shouldn't even be here. You're unwanted, okay? You're uninvited. You shouldn't even be touching Jesus. Aren't you glad Jesus let her touch him? Amen. He said, listen, whoever comes to me, amen, can drink. Amen, because I'm going to touch them and they can touch me. Amen. The Bible says that whoever was sick in the city, as, as many as touched his garment were made whole. Amen. Jesus didn't have a problem with people touching him because he knew that the gospel was to reach those who were untouchable, those who were unlovely, those who were unwanted, those who were undeserved, those who were, amen, just outcasts in society, amen, because of their sin and their nationality. Jesus said, I'm bringing you in to my house. I'm bringing you in to my fold, amen. I love that story about Jesus. See, our sin and our sickness makes us candidates for mercy and healing. Oh, I can't, no, I can't tell Jesus about my sin. No, I, no, no, that makes you a candidate for salvation. That makes you a candidate for mercy. Hello, oh, I'm good, I do this, look at me. I'm, that, that, that keeps you out from God's mercy. Hello, that kind of attitude keeps you from his mercy. But God loves it when you say, Lord, I'm just a sinner. Lord, I'm just so broken, I need you. Lord, I'm sick, I'm, I have a disease, I have a condition, and I need you to touch me, amen. Can somebody say amen? The gospel reaches those who are untouchable. The love of God goes to where it's unwanted and unwelcome and undeserved. That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. And how many know if Jesus did it, we've got to do it. We are not better than Jesus. We are not above Jesus. We are not distant from who Jesus really is. Hello. If people say, oh, I want to know who Jesus is, they should be able to look at your life. This is exactly what he did. This is exactly what he said. This is exactly what he would have done. This is exactly what he told me to do. You can read the Bible and see what Jesus did. That's what, there's some things in my life that I'm doing as well. Can anybody say amen? Amen, I need to move through this. But they were untouchable and 
Jesus put himself at risk in their eyes. How many know Jesus put himself at risk reaching you? Oh, no, I deserved it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. He put himself at risk. When he hung on the cross, he put himself at risk because of his love for us. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Put his body at risk. Put his mind at risk. Put all his emotions at risk because he loved us so much. One of the things that I began to look at, I'm going to kind of finish up, but I just want to talk about this, that one of the, the most, I would say the group of people back in Jesus' day uh, that were the most unlovely and untouchable were lepers. I mean, if there's anybody in anything that were just untouchable, it was lepers. It was people that had a disease, a literal physical disease. It was bad. And they were, it was, it was dirty. It was, God called it unclean in the Old Testament. 21 times God said it was unclean. In the Old Testament, leprosy was nasty, it was filthy, and it was contagious. <laughs> Not all leprosy, but most leprosy. And, in, and one of the things, because they didn't have the medicine and cures and things that we do today, it was like there were some that were so terrible and so nasty that they just, they couldn't be, in, they were untouchable. You couldn't touch them, right? So let's look at this and how lepers were really untouchable physically, socially, and spiritually. Amen. If you look in the Bible, you'll see that, first of all, physically, it was just, it was this uh, disease that causes skin sores and, and, and eventually nerve damage and muscle weakness and things like that, but it got worse over time. What made it so unclean is that there was just, um, you could see patches of skin and turn white around people's eyes and lips and mouth and in their head area and, and hands and feet. And so there would, be, um, there would be light or white or red discolorations and skin patches. And then with that, it would flake. The skin would flake and it would be um, kind of disgusting. Um, and then there'd be sores and swellings and, and um, people could even get gangrene without even noticing it. Uh, wasn't wasn't good and uh, you know the worst of these uh, leprous conditions known today is Hansen's disease okay so we believe that one of the most uh, what most people had back then because they were not treated properly uh, it was really one of the most feared diseases in ancient times especially in the old testament it was one of the fear most feared diseases uh, at that time and so if you look at this and, and it had, you know, people that was really bad and real bad cases, they had oozing sores, open sores, right? And so you had to know that that smelt, that, that kind of stunk and there was, and, and sometimes there'd be disfigurement and, and then eventually death, it would, it would lead to death and there wasn't any cure at the time. There's just no cure, no cure. And even today there's things, there's just no cure. And, and, um, but it was because it was on the skin, because it was on the outside in their face, you could see it, you could smell it. And it was just disgusting. They were unclean because of that. And, and, uh, and so physically it wasn't good. And, um, it, and it would spread through airborne, through sneezing and coughing and, and, and through saliva. And so uh, it was, it was contagious. And, and so it was just gross. And, um, you know, again, and the Lord is, he's giving these, these uh, kind of regulations for it. He laid out social regulations for those who were uh, lepers and they were untouchable because of it. So socially, um, you had to uh, really, one of the first things is you had to publicly identify everyone who was a leper. Okay, so whatever, whatever stage it was, everybody had to know. You had to let everybody know. Everybody had to know. So you publicly were identified as a leper. And then secondly, I think um, probably the worst is that they were isolated. 
So lepers were required to live outside the camp or the city. They couldn't live in the camp of the city. Um, you see that all through the, 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 the Bible. They were forbidden to go into the tabernacle or temple. They couldn't go in and worship God at all. Couldn't do that. There's no way. And in, when Jesus, in his day, um, they couldn't live in a walled city. They had to live in an open village. They had to live, of course, outside of town. And a lot of times they would live with other lepers or what they call a leper colony and caves and so on and so forth. And so... Um, one of the things is that their clothes had to be washed continually or just burnt. If necessary, they just burn them up and they just had to get new clothes all the time. And so even their houses were considered to be leprous. Even their houses were considered unclean. Um, their buildings, anything they touched was to be considered unclean. So it, it was disgusting. It was gross. It was, um, you know, just, just, just in your mind, you would think like, oh, that's, I, I can't even touch what they just touched. Don't touch me, right? I mean, just how nasty that is. And so, you know, that was leprosy. And so um, to the place where they had to rip their garments and they had to tear their garments is a sign of deep grief, even grieving for their own death. I mean, that's just, they had to cover their beard as a man and that was disgraceful. Uh, they had to go bareheaded, that was disgraceful. Um, so it came with a lot of disgrace and shame. It caught a, a pain as well. And it, it just came with a lot, didn't it? And, it? and as you look at it, it just comes with not just the, the social uh, re- requirements and regulations came with a lot of uh, physiological and emotional damage. Think about it. You, ha- you couldn't talk to your family. You had to be away from everybody. Nobody wanted you around. And then on top of that, you had to yell wherever you went, unclean, unclean, unclean. Stay away from me. Don't touch me. I'm unclean. Everybody would clear the way. Don't, I don't even want you in the grocery store at the same time as me. I don't want you in the same aisle as me. Like, are you kidding me right now, right? That's, it was disgusting and it was unclean and, and they had to yell that out. Can you imagine how humiliating that was for someone to yell out, unclean, unclean. Their family knew it. They, all their friends, if they had any, there were probably other lepers, and, and that was about it. And it's just real small group chat, other lepers, that's it. I mean, it's all you had, and it ostracized you from society, and, and from, it ostracized you from the larger group of people that were healthy, and nobody wanted you. Can think, think about that. That was leprosy. But also spiritually, not just physically and socially, but spiritually. See, this disease was regarded as a punishment from the Lord. Miriam. Come on, right? Uh, I believe there's another guy by Gehazi and Uzziah. The Bible says sent leprosy to them. It was as a punishment from God. So a lot of people look, hey, this is a punishment from God. I mean, I mean so not only do society don't like you, but now we say, well, God must not like you. You must be, I mean, you really got big problems, right? So, I mean, it was just one of those things. In fact, it was so amazing that when God wanted to show Moses and the children of Israel how powerful this was and the call to come out of Egypt was, he said to Moses, put your hand in your cloak, bring it out. It was leprosy. I mean, Moses had to freak out, put it back in, it was healed. He said, take that sign, and that's one sign to the elders, because if you don't have a miraculous sign like that, it's an incurable disease, and they don't see that I can cure an incurable disease, they'll not come out of Egypt, they'll not believe you. So it had to take a miracle, it had to take a, a, a miracle from God to heal leprosy. And they knew that from the Old Testament. Think about it. It wasn't just something that you could go bathe and you could wash your clothes and then you're okay. This thing was not, it was on you. And then it was inside of you. Think about it. 
And so spiritually, it was just this punishment from God and it was this, but, but we also see, remember how Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Why? Because there was ceremonial cleansing. If you said, I don't have leprosy, and your family's like, yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. You were supposed to go to the priest and do this and bathe and wash and then wait for a week, isolated from everybody. And then they were supposed to examine you after a week to see whether you do have leprosy or not. So that's why Jesus told the 10 lepers, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. Think about it. And so it was amazing how this happened. Let me just go back up a little bit and just show you what Jesus had encountered a leper. The Bible says that in Mark chapter four, or in Mark chapter one, the Bible says that Jesus encountered a leper, a man. Then we see in Luke chapter 17, he had 10 lepers. But I love this about this leper. He said, uh, came to Jesus and he said, uh, begged him, kneeling down to Jesus and he said, in verse 40, he said, if you are willing, can you make me clean? And Jesus in verse 41, moved with compassion. Here, I love this. Moved with compassion stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be made clean. Aren't you glad about Jesus? Reaches out. I love how the Bible explicitly says that. He moved with compassion, moved with love, moved with mercy and said, I want you to be clean. I will reach out. I will touch you when nobody else will touch you. When you are unwanted and when you are invited, when you are undeserved of mercy, Jesus said, I will touch you and I will make you whole. Amen. I love that about the Lord. And spiritually, if you think about it, when people thought about leprosy, it was also an illustration of sin. The Bible uses leprosy as an illustration of sin. Why? Because it's something that's on the outward that really is a sign of something going on in the inside. There is an uncleanness on the inside that affects everything in your life. How many know what I'm talking about? Amen. And so leprosy was this outward invisible sign of the innermost spiritual condition of people. And it renders people uh, unfit to enter into the presence of God. That's sin. Come on, somebody. That's sin. And it is a sign of sin as we look at this. And just like leprosy, sin affects you physically, socially, spiritually. It's something that you practice on the outside as a result of something going on on the inside. How many know you can't separate action from the actor? You do who you are. Come on. You do who you are. And because we were sin. Because we, the Bible says that we just didn't have sin on us, we had sin in us. Amen? We needed a miracle. We needed something that you just couldn't whitewash. You just couldn't go to church, sing a couple songs, and be okay with God. Are you hearing me this morning? It was just something that went deeper than that. But sin made you unclean. It was a stain you can't get rid of. You can try to do the best you can. You can try to be the best person you can be, be the best you you can be. But if there's sin, there's a stain. There's a disease there. There's a sickness there. Your family might not be able to see it. Other friends might not be able to see it. But there's something on the inside that's eating at you. There's something that is deteriorating your body. Come on, physically and spiritually. And there is no cure in this world for sin. 
There's no money that can buy you hell. There's no, there's no works that can buy you hell. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ that can cleanse you from sin and unrighteousness. Amen. Because he goes deeper than just the physical. He goes deeper than just, amen, your social, amen, regulations. He goes into the spirit. And he changes you from the inside out. He heals you. He completely makes you whole. Jesus is that high priest that we go before and we say, Lord, I need you to heal me. Amen. And he's the one that cleanses us. He's the one that washes our garments. He's the one that examines us and says, I find you clean. You're all right to go back. Amen. Into the camp. You're all right to go back into that group of people that are righteous and holy. Come on, somebody. Jesus reaches the untouchable, and so should we. You know why I know that? You know why I know that? Because you're here. (laughs) You're here today. If you think that you were innocent and you're just a victim and and I didn't do, I, I was a good person and I'm inherently good. I always do good things. I'm just a great person. You're mistaken. You've got a disease that you can't see. There's a sickness that's on the inside that you don't know about. Amen. Eventually it's going to come out, but, it, but it, it stinks. It's rotting in, on the inside of you and it's called sin. And every one of us have, were un, untouchable because of it. Of every one of us were unlovely because of it, unwanted and undeserved because of it. But aren't you glad that one man, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the holy one, the pure one, the healer, the deliverer said, you are reachable. You are touchable now. You are made whole because of my blood and my cross. Come on, let's put our hands together and say, Lord, I thank you. Come on, I dare you to stand on your feet and say, thank you. Thank you for cleaning me up. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me white as snow. I didn't deserve it. I was unwanted. I was unlovely. I was untouchable. But you reached me with your love and your mercy and your healing and your salvation. Hallelujah. I think sometimes we get to the place as a church that we put the gospel in the back corner. We put it in the back burner of our life when all of us need to be fueled with a gospel message. If you're not fueled by the gospel message, there's a disconnect in your worship. Let me say it one more time. If you're not gospel-centered and gospel fueled by the gospel and your heart doesn't burn about the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, the cross, the crown of thorns, man, there's a disconnect in worship. Why? Why? Because worship is about what God, who he is, and what he has done for us. And it starts at Calvary for me. It starts at Calvary. That's not some, some, something that I just on the back burn in my life. It's not a message that's just kind of like, yeah, it's Sunday school. Yeah, okay, that's basic. No, it's everything. It's everything. Because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus reaching the untouchable. Touching the unlovely, the unwanted, the disgusting. Come on, amen, the gross sin. But he has the power to do it. And he has the mercy to do it. And he has the love to do it this morning. But here's my challenge to us if we're believers. I want you to think about, amen, do I ignore people because they're untouchable? Am I avoiding people because they're unlovely in my eyes? 
Come on, somebody. Amen. So this morning, I want us to be excited and have joy about the salvation, but I want us to be challenged. Say, Lord, I don't want to be that type of person. I want the gospel of Jesus Christ to be so alive in my life that I can reach the untouchable. The gospel reaches the untouchable. Who our society says stay away from, get them out of our face, put them to the side, amen, they're the candidates. They're the candidates. They're on the A list. <laughs> They're on the guest list. Come on, somebody. They're on the VIP list. They're God's VIP list. Amen. Very important people to God because he's the one that cleans us up. He's the one that forgives. Amen. We can't do it without him. Come on. We can't do it. We can't make up regulations anymore that says, no, you can. And, and no, I, I can, but you can't. No, no. The mercy of God comes and says, now, whosoever will come. Whoever Whoever, amen, believes in Jesus will be saved. Amen. amen. Father, this morning we just thank you for your mercy. I thank you so much, Lord, that you touch. And this isn't just emotionalism. This isn't just passion speaking this morning, Lord. This is truth speaking that you reach the untouchable. Lord, and I thank you that River Valley Church is going to be known as people who reach the untouchable, who touch the untouchable who speak to the unlovely, who, who walk with and go and approach the unwanted, the uninvited, the undeserved in Jesus' name because your mercy did it for us. And who are we, Lord, that we feel that we're above that? Who are we that we feel that it's not necessary and people don't deserve it, Lord? But look, God, I thank you that through the cross, every person became a candidate for salvation and mercy. And I just give you all the praise and glory for what you've done in my life, for what you're doing in our hearts, Lord, today. May we be open, may our ears be open to the cries of the unwanted, the unlovely, the sick and the diseased. Lord, we pray that we would have move in the forgiveness, move in the mercy, move in the power of the Spirit, Lord, to bring healing, to bring wholeness. In Jesus' name we praise you, amen.